to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs. I'm so happy to have you listening. I'm really looking forward to sharing my conversation with um, another certified professional dog trainer. We talk all about therapy dogs, what it requires of you as a team, um, and it's really inspirational, and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you guys. But before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to just... um, check in, see how everybody's doing. I know it's been really hot in a lot of places. Um, Colorado is no exception. Um, In the suburb that we live in, um, it has been really warm, like high 90s consecutively. So yeah, if you're experiencing the heat wave, we feel you on that. Um, While it's important that you know know your dog and their ability to cope with with heat, um, I also do want to bring up that it's perfectly okay to take your dog out and the middle of the day if you're going to be by water and there is shade. I don't think that dogs have to stay inside all the time just because it's super hot out. Like obviously use common sense, but I know you lovely people listening to this podcast are already doing that. So I don't really need to tell you. Um, If your dog doesn't do well with the heat and they'd rather stay inside, that's awesome too. Um, I think that you can definitely boost mental enrichment to give the dog something to do inside. Um, I did create an ebook on enrichment and you can get access to that for free by going to my website, agfdogtraining.com. There'll be a little pop-up window and you can just enter your email and then I will send you the link to that ebook. It has lots of ideas for um, mental enrichment to keep your dog busy, even if it is wicked hot outside. Um, So yeah, thank you to everyone who has been voting in the Instagram polls. It makes my life so much easier because I can give you exactly what you want to hear. So if you don't already follow us over on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO, you can definitely uh, give us a follow and you can participate in the Instagram polls about future podcast episodes. And then you can kind of soak up some of the inspiration and training tips over there too. Um, I'm really excited. You guys know that I'm a big proponent for feeding raw food. Um, I am going to be creating an online course so that you too can feed your dog a raw food diet. Um, I, while I've been feeding raw for, you know, about six years now, I also am dedicated to continued education. So I'm making sure that my understanding about how to balance a raw food diet is clear. I'm taking an online Online course um, to become a raw food specialist and I'm about to wrap that up and get my certification and bring that course to you guys so I'm really looking forward to sharing that information with you guys so stay tuned for more info on that online course 
So I am super excited about my special guest. You guys know how I was talking in a few episodes about how, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm just sitting in a room talking to myself and it's really nice to have um, another person to talk with and um, share some information that I hope is helpful and informative for you guys as the listener. So my special guest, guest, Leah Frick, is a certified professional dog trainer. She is also a certified therapy dog evaluator through the Canine to Five Therapy Dog Registry. Um, And she is the owner of Dog On It Training and Grooming in Grovetown, Georgia. So I hope you guys like this conversation. So here we go. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs. I am super excited to talk about therapy dogs today. Um, I have Leah Frick here. Um, She is a certified professional dog trainer, and she is also a therapy dog evaluator, and she is going to share her wisdom about therapy dogs with us today. So welcome, Leah. Hi, thank you. Yeah, so exciting. It's always so much fun to talk with other trainers and and share our wisdom as a, a collective. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you for inviting me to come on here. Yeah. Okay. So Leah, can you walk us through what a therapy dog is? Sure. Um, a therapy dog is a dog that provides affection and comfort to other people, um, usually in different locations, mostly public locations, um, not to be confused with a service dog or an emotional support animal. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good distinction to make. Um, I feel like in this day and age, there's a lot of people calling their dogs emotional support animals and then trying to treat them as service dogs and or therapy dogs. So yeah, I think that that's something for people to get clear on because I think it is confusing just like as a normal dog person to be like, wait a minute, what is the difference? Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we have so many inquiries about people that want their dogs to be service dogs and we have to clarify with them, well, what do you mean? Do you mean service dog, therapy dog, emotional support animals? So we try to do a lot of education um, to help people clarify and understanding that a therapy dog is some is a dog that provides comfort for other people, not yourself. Yeah, right. Okay. So love that. Okay. So that's a really good distinction. So a therapy dog provides, um, you know, support for other people, not just for the owner. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so let's talk about some personality traits in dogs that you think would make them a good candidate for therapy dog work. Sure. Um, so first and foremost, when we look at a therapy dog and if that dog is going to make a good therapy dog, um, we want that dog to enjoy people and enjoy being touched. That has to be something that the dog has. Otherwise they will not enjoy therapy work. Um, we've had dogs go through our therapy classes thinking that it's going to be a good fit and it ends up not being a good fit. The dog doesn't enjoy lots of physical affection. Um, and so that is absolutely necessary for the dog to enjoy people. Um, and so it also needs to be calm and gentle. If you have a dog that is jumping and crazy and pulling on the leash um, and is just too excited, that also doesn't make for a good therapy dog. So you really want a dog that enjoys people, but in a calm way, is able to stay calm um, and to provide comfort. So um, we also want our dogs to be confident 
in all situations. That is a must. Uh, when you have a therapy dog and you go into facilities with that therapy dog, you're going to be thrown into situations that, um, that look like all different kinds of things. You may have somebody walking uh, with a different gait or somebody who smells different, somebody who's really old or really young, um, and your dog needs to be capable of handling anything that's thrown at them. Okay. Yeah, no, I love that. Okay. So just to recap, so the dog must enjoy being touched. Right. And I think that it's important to define what that looks like because a lot of dogs will tolerate being touched, but they don't really like being touched. Right. So, um, can we talk about maybe some body language, like, you know, and obviously it depends on the dog, but maybe some body language cues we could watch for in our dogs to really get an idea of if they're actually enjoying the petting versus just tolerating it. Absolutely. So, um, body language is really important when you have a therapy dog. And that's actually something that we teach our uh, handlers. We teach them how to recognize their dog's stress signals. Um, and so some common stress signals that you might see if your dog is tolerating being touched or actually doesn't particularly enjoy it. Um, a, a very simple head turn away from the person. Um, all of a sudden being able to see the whites of their eyes, which is what we call whale eye. Uh, yawning when they're not tired, uh, yawning kind of just out of context. Um, you may see after your dog is removed from a situation that they give a full body shake. And that's kind of what I like to call like shaking off the stress. Uh, it's something that you can pick on after the fact that it's a great way to know, Hey, was my dog uncomfortable in that situation? Um, let's try to think of another one, uh, panting, um, all of a sudden, if your dog is not hot or thirsty, uh, can be a sign of stress. Um, and so it's really important to look for those signals so that we can tell if our dog is enjoying something or not. It's also important to note that even a good therapy dog and a well-trained therapy dog that does enjoy affection most of the time may give a stress signal if they're not comfortable in a specific situation. So even um, handler and dog teams that are experienced still need to be looking out for those things. Yeah, no. And I think that that brings up a really good point about the human equation of therapy dog team, right? Because like you said, they're a team. So if you want to do therapy work with your dog, you're going to have to get really savvy at getting to know your dog and reading their body language. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, that's something that we we really educate our handlers on um, and every dog is different. So although there are some kind of general stress signals that most dogs, dogs give, uh, each handler knows their dog the best. And so we try to help the handlers recognize stress signals in their own dogs. Um, so that's very important for them to, to recognize that we can avoid an accident happening. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so um, confidence. I think that that's another thing that like you as the handler, you need to recognize body language cues in your dog that gives you context of whether they are feeling confident or they aren't feeling confident. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you said about the shake off, right? Like I call that like the doggy reset button, right? So those shake offs are so 
there's such good information, right? So I think it's really important for people to be watching for those things. Because if you have a dog and you're considering doing therapy work and you go somewhere and they get scared and startle and shake off to something, like that's something you have to be aware of. And if it's like a wheelchair or something, therapy dog work probably is not the best suited for you and your particular dog. No, absolutely. And you can have dogs that, uh, you know, show stress signals over, um, things that are seemingly harmless. You know, it's, it's what the dog finds stressful, not what we think is going to be stressful. It's important to remember that. And that's why it's so important because our dog is going to communicate with us. Um, and even if we're not picking up on that information in the environment. Yeah. Right. And I love it. I love what you said. The dog gets to choose right? Yes. It's, it's the dog's perception of the world, not what you think the dog should be perceiving. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's talk just a little bit more about calm behavior. Okay. So a dog who jumps on people should not do therapy work. Um, yeah, at least unless they can remedy that behavior. Um, okay. if the dog is still jumping, um, randomly, uh, when it's not cued to, um, basically we want the dog to have good greeting skills. So okay. if your dog can be trained to greet people calmly, then, then yes, therapy dog is, or therapy work is still an option for you. But if your dog, um, is uncontrollable and you can't get them to greet people properly, that is, that, that's a disqualification and you just, you may need more training or your dog may not be suitable for therapy work. And so it's, it's that, that question is a bit what's linked to training. Cause you know, you know, our, sure. our dog yeah. um, is definitely, it's up to the dog. Every dog is different, but there are things that we can do training wise to of course help influence our dog's behavior and, and help fix the things that, that could potentially disqualify them from therapy work. Yeah. Okay. And I think that that's a good point to make, right? That like some dogs by nature are just calmer and that may make therapy work easier for teams but it doesn't mean that you can't train really good, calm greetings for a dog who doesn't have them naturally. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of our, um, therapy dogs, or I should say one of our therapy dogs uh, was 11 years old when she was certified. And that just happened to be the time frame that worked for them, you know, and she's wonderful and she loves it. Uh, and then we have another one who's 18 months old and he's great. And so it just, it just depends on the dog. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So therapy work is definitely something I've been considering with Waylon because he's so insanely social and the dude seriously like desperately seeks attention from people. But jumping is definitely something that's going to have to be addressed in the training department before we're ready to do that. Right. And like, you know, it's not Waylon's fault. He's gotten reinforced for jumping, but it's just one of those things that it's like, in so many ways, he would be a good therapy dog, but that needs training before it could be a reality for us as a team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, there's a lot of training that needs to go into therapy work. Uh, you know, we actually have uh, our business. We have a therapy dog class that we like to put our therapy dogs through before they're certified, even if they have been through other advanced training courses. We like for them to do that specifically. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. And I think that's a really good segue into let's talk about trained behaviors that you want therapy dogs to have under their belt. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if you're starting at the beginning, of course, if you're getting a puppy socialization is, is a must. I mean, it is for every dog, but especially therapy dogs. Um, 
again, your dogs have to be able to handle whatever's thrown their way. And socialization in that socialization stage is the best way uh, to get your dog used to things that they may see, um, you know, get them used to noises, um, smells, people, dogs, uh, different locations, surfaces. People don't think of surfaces, elevators, stairs. I mean, anything that you can think of that you may come across, you want your dog to be okay with. And so um, that can take a while for some dogs. Finding um, scenarios to put your dog in so that you can work on that and make sure that your dog is confident in those situations. Um, you know, the organization that I certify therapy dogs through requires dogs to be canine good citizens certified before they become therapy dogs. And I think that that's a really good idea for most therapy dogs. It's yeah, that's really, yeah, for sure. Okay. So for, for the people that don't know, um, CGC, you can get certified through the AKC, right. And it's a canine good citizen evaluation, right? So, um, I will include a link to that in the show notes so people can look at like the requirements and stuff like that. Just have more of a visual of what would be required of them. Yeah. And so just kind of in a nutshell, we want our dogs to be really good with their leash skills. They need to be able to maintain a loose leash um, most of the time. They need to be under control. They need to listen to their handlers. Um, they need to be capable of basic obedience. Sit down, stay, come. Um, we train some other behaviors like move over to the side. If you're in a medical facility and there's an emergency, you really need your dog to be able to get out of the way quickly. So that is something that we teach our dogs, teach all of our therapy dogs, move over or side, you know, you can put whatever verbal cue you want to it. Um, nice. Okay. And, yeah. and then I think it's important for people to, to recognize too, that like, it's not just training a behavior, it's bringing the behavior to fluency right? Like meaning that the dog could literally in the heat of the moment respond to the side cue without question. Yeah, absolutely. Those behaviors need to be solid. Um, you are, you know, most people who have therapy dogs, most handlers are going into medical facilities. And so, okay. um, emergencies happen and, and emergencies are just that they're emergencies. You don't know when they're going to happen. You need your dog to be able to respond and respond consistently. Nice. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what other trained behaviors do therapy dogs have to have? Um, we need our dogs to be able to leave it quite often when you're out in public, you're going to come across food. You're going to come across things that you do not want your dog to touch medications, um, food equipment. We do not want our dogs to disrupt any of that. Um, so having a very strong leave it cue is important. Um, and again, I'm going to reiterate, uh, a really good greeting skills. You need your dog to be really yeah. good at greeting people um, calmly. You know, if your dog jumps up on somebody um, or even just throws a paw up because maybe they've been reinforced for shake when it wasn't cued, they can scratch someone's skin um, and they, they can cause that person to bleed. Or if that person has wires or tubes or equipment, they, they need to not catch that with their paws. And so really just making sure that our dogs are under control at all times is, is very important. Okay. Okay. So, um, as therapy dog teams, are they allowed to have treats or food on them? Um, they should be able to perform without treats or food. So okay. don't usually recommend that. Um, really for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, because we want our dogs to be solid in those behaviors and we want that 
to be able to happen without having to have a primary reinforcer like food around, but also because when you're out as a therapy dog team, your dog is there to provide comfort for someone else. And quite often when we have our food rewards on us, our dogs are focused on us. They're in training mode. And so I think this goes back to what makes a good therapy dog is they find affection reinforcing. And so you can use the person that your dog is there to see and that affection as reinforcement for the behavior um, that they're giving you. Wow. Yeah, I love that. And I think that that's, that's something that I didn't really think about, I guess, when, you know, not using food, because I train my dogs that like, if I have food default to the mama, right? Like, (laughs) that has a really strong reinforcement history. So I think that that brings up a good point about how the food could compromise what we want them to do in therapy work. It's about engaging in the other person and building value into their life. It's not about paying attention to us necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. We want the dogs to be interested in the people that they're there to see. Right. Oh my God. It's so beautiful. I love it. Okay. So, um, so you said that you want teams to be CGC certified first. Okay. And then can you walk us through what the therapy dog test looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when our dogs are canine good citizen certified and they've been through our therapy dog class, um, the dogs, at least my dogs and uh, the company that I use, we certify at two different locations. Our test is at two different locations. So one of those um, tests has to be performed at a medical facility. And so we, uh, we first go through a series of things that the dogs are put through, um, a collar grab being able to react to that, or I guess should say not react to that or react appropriately. Um, Our dogs, uh, their tails are touched um, and tugged on a little bit. Um, Their ears are messed with and pulled on just a little bit, nothing too rough, but we need to get an idea that they're okay with being touched um, roughly uh, because not everybody knows how to pet a dog. Yeah, for sure. Yep. They need to be okay with prolonged eye contact given by a stranger. Um, they need to be able to perform a series of cues. We have them do it down. We have them move over. Um, we have them greet somebody who is in some type of device, like a, like a wheelchair or is on crutches or using a walker. Um, and they need to uh, leave a food item on the ground Okay. to maintain the loose leash the entire time. And, uh, and I should say even before that, before we even get to testing at a facility, um, they have to pass a resource guarding test. So there is a, there's a scale and they have to pass at a certain level. Um, they cannot be resource guarders. Um, resource guarding, of course, being that they're going to guard an item that they have possession of. Uh, they can't do that. Uh, right, because and- that could potentially harm people. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so sorry guys, that's my dog's barking in the background. (laughs) Okay. Leah, sorry. Let's pick up where we left off. Okay. So there's a resource guarding test. What else? Yes. The resource guarding test. And then, um, the second, uh, the second test out and about can be anywhere, you know, out in public. Um, and as long as they, they pass those two things, then they're good to go. Um, 
I'm also not just paying attention to the dog. I'm also paying attention to the handler. Is the handler professional with the people that they're interacting with? Are they dressed appropriately? Um, are they comfortable? And that is very important because again, like you said, I'm not certifying a dog. I'm certifying a team. And, and it's important that the handler is just as confident as the dog is. Awesome. Yeah, no. And I think that that's a really good point because how you carry yourself as the handler in public absolutely matters and has an impact on like the positive impact you can have on people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. And actually that brings me to another point that I kind of want to make sure that I talk about is with our handlers. Um, when you're looking at what makes a good therapy dog, we also want to look at what makes a good handler. So when you're thinking about doing therapy work with a dog, you need to think about what you yourself are capable of handling. You know, if you find it too emotional to go into a facility with sick people um, and you can't handle that, then you may need to find somewhere else to bring your dog for therapy work, but that has to match up. Your dog has to enjoy it and you have to be okay with it. Wow. Yeah, no, that's such a good point because I think that there's a lot that you can see, right? Like there's a lot of, of heavy emotional stuff that like you as the handler, you have to be equipped for. Yeah, that's such a good point. And honestly, not something that I really thought a ton about when I thought about therapy dogs. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, the great thing about therapy dogs right now is that you're not just limited to going to a hospital or a nursing home. Um, a lot of colleges love for therapy dogs to come out when students have exams, which is really nice. That um, is amazing. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, and there are even therapy dogs going into airports now and comforting passengers. So, you know, it doesn't always have to be centered around people that aren't well. Okay. Okay. So I think that that's a good segue into options for therapy work. Okay. So medical facilities. So medical facilities primarily being hospitals. Yeah, hospitals, um, nursing homes. Uh, we actually um, test at a rehab facility here in Augusta. Um, and so, yeah, usually those are people who I think benefit a lot uh, or the most from seeing a therapy dog, you know, because they're not maybe not as mobile um, or they are there long term and they don't have a lot of visitors. Okay. Yeah, no, that's so incredible. So in Wayland's early days, I was, I was really lucky. My grandma was living in like an assisted living facility at the time and they allowed dogs. So Wayland got to go there, right. And like ride in elevators and see people in wheelchairs. It was amazing from a socialization standpoint, but also just light up every single person that saw his little wrinkly face. I mean, it's, it's profound. It really yeah. is profound to see the impact of a happy dog and what that does for people who are not in the happiest circumstances in life. Oh, absolutely. I think that therapy work is one of the most rewarding things that you can do with your dog if you're capable of it. Um, you know, the teams that I've certified are just, they're so happy to be out there doing it. Um, and it, it, it is, it's rewarding. It's, it's, rewarding for the dog. It's rewarding for the people that you're visiting. You feel like you're making a difference. And so I think that there's just so much to be gained from it. That's so brilliant. Okay. And then, um, what about therapy work with kids? So there is a, a, a different certification that we use. It's called bookworm buddies. And so the dog has to pass a bit of more strenuous test. Um, and we actually don't have anybody who's passed that test currently right now. Um, but 
you can get into schools. Um, sometimes they have different requirements. Um, but yeah, therapy dogs can definitely go into schools. It, and really every facility is going to have different requirements from their handler dog team. And so it's just important to contact the facility that you want to visit and discuss with them what their requirements are. Okay. Okay. So what is the organization that you are certified through for therapy work that you ultimately certify teams? So I am certified through Canine to Five National Therapy Dog Registry. Um, and it's a small um small certification or I guess a small company, um, but I like them because they require more from their evaluators. Um, I went, I had to uh, submit a resume. I have to use um, positive methods only. Uh, and it was, it was a lot to get in there, but I'm glad that I chose that company because they also have high standards for the dogs. Um, they require them to be canine get citizen certified and to go through an advanced level course as well before even testing to become a therapy dog versus some of the other organizations are just not quite as strict and they still have you know standards but i just don't feel like they're as high as canine to five which is why i chose them i love that and good for you right for going through the rigorous process of getting certified right because it matters it really does and like anyone who listens to this podcast knows, right? That like I preach, I preach to the choir in a lot of circumstances that like force-free dog training is the way. So I love that you chose an organization that, that matches those values. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, and they're great, you know, and so most of these organizations, um, regardless of methods, they're going to require certain things from their handler dog teams as well. You know, they're going to require that the dogs stay current on vaccinations. They have negative fecals. They're in good health um, and you're covered usually through that organization's insurance by paying dues. Okay. So, um, okay. So really quickly, I want to go back to what are some other things um, that are more rigorous in the testing for like working therapy work with kids? So the dog needs to be capable of being hugged um, okay. for long periods of time. Um one of the things that they require for bookworm buddies is for the dog to be braced upon while somebody's getting up off the floor, uh, which can be a lot for a dog. Um, okay. The dog has to be capable of maintaining a much longer downstay uh, than the standard. Okay. Um, and just in general, being able to handle a lot more physical, um, physical attention than we okay. require regular therapy dog, which we require a lot from a, from a normal therapy dog. And so if you're going to be working with kids, um, you really need to make sure that your dog is just bomb proof. Yeah. Because in most circumstances, there's not one kid trying to pet a dog, right? Like there's normally a lot of kids wanting attention from one dog. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And kids, you know, they're tiny humans, they're freaky, their arms flail and they scream and they're fast. And so um, that's not always normal for a dog. But again, going back to socialization, we need to make sure that our dogs are okay with people of all shapes and sizes um, before we even consider therapy work. Right. Okay. Okay. And I'm so glad you clarified that because it really does matter, right? Like kids are, whew, they're wild cards. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, once they pass their therapy dog test, what does that look like? Like, what would you do as a team after you passed your therapy dog test to like really get into the work? 
So once they pass the therapy dog test and you need to contact the organization that they tested through, um, okay. and like this, the particular company that I use canine to five, um, sends them uh, like a badge with their photo on it, um, and some paperwork, uh, proof of insurance so that they can provide that when they go to a facility. Um, but really past that, mostly it's on the owners uh, or the handlers. Um, they need to seek out, uh, places in their community where they can, they can go volunteer. Um, and, and, you know, as a trainer in my area, I try to provide places that my, uh, teams can go to, but a lot of people who come to me for their dogs to be certified as therapy dogs have an idea sometimes of where they want to go. Um, okay. and that's kind of got them into it in the first place, but really calling around, um, social media is a really great tool for that. Usually just, um, asking, you know, Hey guys, like, um, who wants therapy dogs to come visit, Hey, their place of employment, or, you know, maybe there's a teacher out there who says, yes, the kids can enjoy it or somebody who works in a nursing home or a hospital. And so really our community of people has just provided some really great places, uh, to go volunteer. That is so cool. Yeah. And I know, so I'm, I'm really lucky. My sister-in-law, hi, Holly. I know you're listening. Um, she is a social worker and she, um, has utilized therapy dogs for kids who have to testify in court cases, right? So that the therapy dog sits with the kid as extra support. I have to have to, you know, go through this pretty scary thing at a young age. So there's a lot of options for like really um, having an impact in your community. But I think that that's a good point to make that like, it's up to the handler to get motivated and find places to make a difference with their therapy dog. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that there just aren't enough. <laughs> um, there are never enough therapy dogs. So you will always find somewhere or someone that wants you to come visit. So cool. I love that. Can you give me, can you give us your final thoughts on like, you know, people who maybe have been on the fence about it? Um, you know, what would be your suggestion for those people? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if you are, interested in doing therapy work with your dog, first go talk to a local positive reinforcement trainer and, and get into a class, you know, brush up on your obedience skills, make sure that your dog can do all of those things that we talked about, leave it, leash walking skills, come greeting people politely. Um, and, and then have that professional help determine whether or not your dog is suited for that. If you're not sure if your dog is giving stress signals, um, you know, talk again to your local positive reinforcement trainer. Usually we have resources of our own where we can send you information on stress signals and what that looks like, how to recognize them. And, um, and so making sure that your dog is suited is number one. Um, and again, going back, if you have a puppy and therapy work is your goal, then socialize your dog, socialize your puppy, get out there during that socialization stage and make the most of it. Make sure that your dog is comfortable, um, in all situations and put a lot of effort into it. Um, not to be confused, of course, with forcing your dog to do something, but, uh, you know, just it, I wish more people would look into therapy work because I meet so many dogs who are so well suited for it. Um, and I think that people just don't really know how to go about it. And so hopefully, you know, listening to this podcast will give them an idea. 
Yes. Right. And like, that's my goal is to inspire people to do more with their dogs. Right. And I have some lovely clients who, um, have dogs who would be fabulous therapy dogs. So this is definitely like a push for me to encourage them to look more into therapy work. And then guys, so, you know, I will include a link in the show notes, show notes to the organization that Leah is certified through so that you can go to their website and hopefully find someone close to you that is also certified and and can help guide you. But yeah. And I think, you know, just to kind of reiterate what you were saying, Leah, is that it's important to get support from a qualified positive reinforcement trainer in your area so that you can get more feedback and, you know, a better understanding of whether or not you and your dog are suited as a therapy dog team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, like I said before, there have been, you know, handlers that have gone through class with their dogs. And at the end of that course, we decide that their dog isn't suited for therapy work and that's okay. Um, it's because important. They still got to work together as a team. Their relationship yeah. is still improved from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know what it's doing what the dog enjoys and when your dog doesn't enjoy it. It becomes very clear. Yeah, for sure. Oh my God. This has been so informative. Seriously, like so many things that I didn't even know about therapy work. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Well, thank you for inviting me to talk. Yes. Okay. So if people want to um, connect with you on social media, how can they find you? Um, so we are Dog On It Training and Grooming um, on Instagram and Facebook. We're in Grovetown, Georgia. Awesome. Okay. And I will definitely include a link to that in the show notes too, so that people can find you. Um, so really quickly, I just want to end and just reiterate one more time what a therapy dog is not. So what a therapy dog is not therapy dogs are not emotional support animals. Um, they are not service dogs. They do not provide a service for their owners. Um, they are not um, covered under federal housing act or ADA laws. Um, they do not have public access rights. Um, they are simply certified dogs that can go out and provide comfort to other people. Other than that, they do not have any special privileges. Good. I love that. And I think that it's good to reiterate that your therapy dog cannot go everywhere with you. That's not the point of therapy. (laughs) That's not the point. We all wish that, but no, that is not the point. Yeah. Right. And I think we all do wish that, but like our dog doesn't get to be the exception to the rule because that compromises legitimacy for service dog and emotional support animals that genuinely need those rights to access to improve the quality of their, their humans lives. Yeah, absolutely. It's very important. If our, if our service dog is out and you know, they're providing a service to us, then they can't be engaged with someone else. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then just really one, one last question before I forget, is there like a special like vest or equipment that a therapy dog is required to wear? Nope, no requirements. Um, you can have equipment on your dog if you want to, you know, bandana that says I'm a therapy dog, but no, there are no requirements. Okay. And then, um, just one last question because I'm curious, are there any like regulations as far as like a dog who drools a lot or sheds a lot? Like, are there any exceptions to like where they could go as a therapy dog team for like, I'm thinking like hospitals and people who have like special like allergies or something like that. I think that those things definitely need to be taken into consideration, but no, there there's nothing, nothing breed wise. that's going to disqualify your dog from being a service dog. Um, but do require our therapy dogs to be well-groomed before their visits. Um, and we encourage our handlers to carry supplies with them. For instance, if you have a very drooly dog, then you may want Waylon. to carry 
(laughs) You may want to carry a towel with you so that you can prevent, you know, that drool from getting everywhere. So there are things that you can do to take precautions against, you know, drool or hair getting everywhere, but just setting yourself up in the best way possible so that those things don't become an issue. And I think that communication with the facility that you are visiting is very important. And if it is a problem, then, you know, that's something that needs to be discussed. And maybe that isn't the right facility for that dog. Okay. Okay. And one more selfish question while I have you, what about licking dogs, licking people? I think that that's a very good question. Um, (laughs) In general, I would say that I wouldn't want a dog to be an excessive licker. Um, you know, if they're going to be a therapy dog, because most people don't enjoy that. Um, and really it's something, it's very similar to jumping, you know, uh, we don't want that attention seeking behavior there. We want them to enjoy getting affection and being able to stay calm. And I think that part of being calm, um, includes not licking someone over and over again. (laughs) For sure. That's a really good point. Yeah, no. I'm sure some other people out there can relate, but I just have like perpetual lickers. I don't know how I got so lucky with two who just lick me like a lunatic, but yeah, just a question, you know, because I feel like that, like there's a lot of dogs who lick a lot. Right. So it's like, and I could see how that would not be super enjoyable from like a therapy work standpoint. No, definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Well, Leah, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, And this was so informative. I know it's going to really be cool for a lot of people to listen to. Again, thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you want to be able to trust your dog off leash? Do you want to improve your relationship with your dog? A dog with a trustworthy recall gets way more opportunities to adventure and be a dog. Let's be honest, having a dog that doesn't come when called really kind of sucks. So, do you want to make your life easier? Do you want to learn how to train a trustworthy recall? Do you have 10 minutes a day to devote to training for just 30 days? Check out my online course, Trustworthy Recalls. I give you step-by-step instructions for teaching a trustworthy recall with just 10 minutes a day for 30 days. You can learn more about trustworthy recalls at agfdogtraining.com. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore in co. You can also find us on Facebook at a good feeling dog training, as well as our website, agfdogtraining.com. dog